Hello folks, and welcome to the Alforn Podcast, sponsored by Betfred and produced by Feed Ignite. My guest this week is an Irish sporting legend. Yes, Mr. Ken Doherty, the 1997 World Snooker Champion, is my guest this week. First of all, a gent. Such a nice man. I've known Ken for six years, and I just have nothing but good I just have nothing but good words to say about this man. He is just such a lovely guy. And I think everybody feels the same way. And everybody who who has encountered Ken in their life just he's just a really just the salt of the earth, proper dub, really just a, a great guy. And incredibly successful, obviously, you know. Um, we obviously talk about his his kind of introduction to snooker when he was a young kid. His dad introduced it to him at a young age. He would have watched the likes of Alex Higgins growing up, and then how he got his start in snooker. And um, really is it's a great story, you know how he kind of rose up in the amateurs, came into the professional circus, and yeah, it's just it's amazing. We come right up obviously to the to the world championship match against uh, Stephen Hendry in 1997. And uh, it's just—he's just a really nice guy, Ken. Really nice guy. And we talk about as well. Kind of, I think what's very interesting is, you know, when I was—I was born in 1991, but I can kind of remember my parents and say my my relatives, my older relatives, talking about how like snooker and pool was such a a massive thing in terms of like in the, the social scene in Dublin in the 80s and 90s so it's kind of a thing of the past now which is kind of sad but Ken kind of delves deep into that which I think is uh, is brilliant you know and of course Ken is a massive Manchester United fan and you know we talk about you know how he he lifted the trophy the the world snooker championship in front of the 67,000 fans I think it was 67,000 at that time they could fit into Old Trafford in 1997 and how much of a surreal moment that was I don't want to I don't want to delve deep into that story because I'll let Ken tell that in the podcast because it's a brilliant story and yeah folks honestly I hope you really enjoy this one I enjoyed it Ken is such a great guy and uh, yeah it is the Alforn podcast Ken Doherty Game on Get £30 in free bets from Betfred when you sign up and stake a tenner. Football, racing, rugby, boxing. Betfred have markets available on all of the biggest matches, races, fights and more. Download the Betfred app from the App Store or Google Play Store or sign up through betfred.com. Game on! 18 plus BeGambleAware.org UK and Northern Ireland only First sports bet of £10 and over in one transaction Settled in 60 days Odds evens, brackets 2.0 and over £30 free bet paid within 10 hours of bet settlement 7 day expiry Payment restrictions apply SMS validation may be required Full terms and conditions apply Please gamble responsibly I am delighted to be joined by a very good friend of mine uh, the darling of Dublin, <laughs> 1997 uh, World Snooker Champion, 352 century breaks, uh, a legend in Irish sports, <laughs> a legend in snooker, uh, and most importantly, an absolute gent. Ken, <laughs> how are you, pal? Uh, very well, Al. Good to uh, see you, and thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the show. I, I used to be called the darling of Dublin. Uh, now, it's the Duns, well. the, now it's the Dunce of Dublin, you know, or Clueless Ken. 
but yeah, yeah, no, still uh, still enjoying it and uh, looking forward to watching Man United tonight as well. So, oh uh, yes, absolutely. all is good, all is good. This, How about this, you? How? I, I'm good. I'm good, pal. It's you know, it's been different. Um, yeah, yeah. as you know, I, I I kind of rely solely on gigs, and now this is my work. Yeah. I do gigs through yeah, yeah. this. So it's been a mad old year. It's been a mad mm. year, kind of adapting to to new things. But it it it's been fun as well, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is a whole new uh, this is a whole new concept, isn't it? Zoom Zoom calls or Zoom yeah. gigs and yeah, podcasts. You know, everything like that. Oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Though it's a new sort of innovation, but it's great. I think it, it's come to the fore during this lockdown. The Zoom has been. Yeah. Amazing for for everybody in lockdown to connect with family and friends, oh, yeah. you know, both here and away, you know. And it'll stick around even after even after everything kind of comes back to normal. I think it's going to stick around for for a while. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. We first met six years ago, was it now? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah Barry vo- Barry Murphy. Barry Murphy introduced me to you. Yeah, well, here's the funny thing about that. And Barry Murph, Barry Murphy's one of my my mentors yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's a good friend of mine. But I remember, I remember saying, "How are you, Richard?" To Barry Murphy, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember him saying, "No, I'm not Richard. I'm Barry." <laughs> I think I think I actually yeah, yeah. called him Richard first. Then I called him Gary. And then I ended up calling him Barry. <laughs> but um, oh, well, uh, listen, I'll give, I'll give you a classic about Barry Murphy. He came to play poker in the club in Terranure. And one of the lads that's playing poker, he's a very funny guy, you know. And he sat down at the table and he said to Barry, uh, Oh, cheers, it's your man, is it? Your man, I'm RT. He goes, he says, uh, uh, And I don't know where I can say this on Zoom or on, on your podcast, but he said to him at the poker table, you know, just to break the ice, you know. He said to Barry Murphy, instead of saying, "Oh, you're from Apray Match and all that," you know, he said, "Are you still, uh, are you still running your woman in Fair City?" Eh? No, <laughs> those are the <laughs> yeah, even Barry Murphy had to laugh at that one. Like, you know. <laughs> and for those obviously who are listening about who don't know Barry Murphy, Barry Murphy yeah, is yeah. part of a, a classic um, a trio, comedy trio in Ireland called Apray Match. That mm. just had everyone in stitches for years. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He's still brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But even uh, I, he cracked up at the table because not a lot of stuff. Anything that you, even if you try to tell Barry jokes, you know, he sort of heard them in one form or another, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, but he laughed at something like that because it was real, like <laughs> Dublin, real Dublin wit. Like you know what I mean? He knew who he was. Yeah. But he started putting him in a different, completely different kettle of fish. It was, oh, it was fantastic. Absolutely uh, yeah. fantastic. He's a genius. But um, yeah, yeah, we had a great night that night as well. Jeez, I think yeah, we were, yeah. We were out until the early hours in the morning. We were. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just want to get to you, Ken. You you grew up in Ranala. Yeah. Um, I know. I know you had a. A, you had a great childhood with regards to, you know, with your mom, like I know you talk about your mom an awful lot mm. and how much of an important, you know, person, how much of a positive impact she had in your life. What mm. was, what was, what was it like growing up? In um, well, I tell you, uh, Randler was a, was a wonderful place. I mean, at Randler at one stage, I had like three snooker clubs in it, you know, well, I yeah. had the, this, I had uh, originally it only had two. I had a small, a three full-size table in a place called Nats. It was across, right across from Super Value now, where Night Owls used to be. Mm. Uh, and then I had Jason's, of course. And 
Jason's was like the hub of the area for me, like in the, you know, the late seventies, I was like, I was eight when I first saw snooker on the TV. I saw Alex Higgins mm. playing on Pop Black. Uh, my father used to let, my father and mother used to let me stay up. Um, he used to love watching Pop Black and it used to be only on for about an, a half an hour every Thursday. So I watched that with him. I saw Alex Higgins play mm. and I wanted a little snooker table from Santa and I got one that Christmas, you know, yeah. and I was only eight years of age. So that was 1977. I was allowed to go into Jason's only on a Sunday with my big brother. He could take me in for a couple of hours mm. before Sunday dinner. Uh, after mass <laughs> of course <laughs> and uh, yeah and that was my uh, I mean I, I just I, I loved uh, going into Jason's there was a lot of sort of adolescence there was a jukebox pool table Space Invaders Evil Knievel like a pinball machine uh, there was like a car machine and uh, then they had the you know the, all those type of new machines that comes in for playing like you know kids play Fortnite or Minecraft now yeah. or or Grand Theft Auto. Back for us those days, it was Asteroids or Defender or Space Invaders or Pac-Man, you know? Yeah. Uh, and Jason's always got the latest machine in. It was great for that. And the kids used to love it. Like, you know, young adolescents and and I was only allowed in initially on the Sunday. Uh, but that was Renla for me initially. And then afterwards, as I got a bit older, I was allowed in every day and I used to do odd jobs like clear out the ashtrays, sweep the floors. Mm. And then I used to be able to get a free game like of Pac-Man, of Space Invaders or, or a snooker table, uh, getting on the snooker table. Yeah. And that's how it all that's how it all started for me uh, in uh, the late 70s and into the, uh, the, the early 80s, you know? Yeah. And obviously, mm. you know, you kind of, you had a great time, obviously. <clears throat> Playing yeah. in, the, in the amateurs when you when you got to that yeah that exactly yeah but well. but that I mean I never got to that stage until my first competition wasn't until I was about thirteen years of age you know as okay. a as a like a national tournament you know yeah I used to sort of play I started to get free practice in Jason what happened my father uh, my father loved snooker you know he was a big Ray Reardon fan yeah and when Higgins Higgins beat Ray Reardon. Uh, in the final in 1982, that was a, sort of a big changing moment for me. That, he, he was like an inspiration for me, Alex Higgins, you know, watching him win that World Championships. And I wanted to play as much snooker as I could. I played football. I was the captain of the Brapmines boys and we were yeah. uh, a half-decent team, you know. Uh, but I wanted to play snooker. In the snooker times, there was this competition every Saturday morning in Jason's. It was like a handicap competition. Yeah. And I was like my, about minus 70 at the time. But... I could still give the guys 80 or 100 starts, you know what I mean? And I used to pick up like 20 or 30 quid every Saturday almost in Jason's on the Saturday morning right up until the afternoon, you know? Now, we used to have have football matches on the Saturday, so you'd have to sort of juggle one between the other and eventually came to a stage, well, I was going out in the Pistons of Rain all the way out to Fairview Park, the player up to Bushy (laughs) Park, you know? And uh, I was thinking I could be in Jason's and I could be earning money. I'm not earning money playing this play this football as much as I love football. Yeah. So uh, I had to tell the manager, look, I'm just knocking on the head. I can't play on Saturdays anymore, you know. So I'm yeah. playing snooker, and that's when I decided I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a snooker player. And I was only around uh, I was about 14 at the time, you know. Yeah, and from from then on, it was mm. it was great for you, you know. And you know, you got to the amateurs, you won the, the Irish Championship twice. Yeah, um, you're under 21 <clears throat> world champion and a world amateur champion. So up up until you turn pro, it was just yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, 
a, a thing ha- what happened in Renla uh, when I was 13 my father died you know mm. and I think that was uh, as a it was sort of it was a big turning point in my life obviously in my family's life and everything but yeah. uh, Jason's then they started to sponsor me they they sort of knew things were hard at home and stuff like that money wise so they started giving me free practice and sponsoring me into tournaments and without that help I probably wouldn't have been where I was. I wouldn't have had so much success yeah. as I've had, you know, That's because amazing. I needed that sort of little bit of a start, you know. Uh, and so it was a big sort of turning point, you know, but it was a, you know, and, and that is one of my, one of my life regrets, not, you know, my father not being around and not being mm. able to see any of that success because he loved the game. He only could see me play, like he bought me a table, uh, a, a six by three table, and I got that in about 1982. So it was only about a year. We used to set it up in the back garden or in the front room, and I'd sometimes bring friends home from school to play on a frame or two, uh, play in the garden, you know, if the weather was good. So he'd only seen me, but he actually never saw me play at all in any competitions or anything like that, which was quite sad. And that, that was quite yeah. regretful, you know, and he was only 58 when he died. So it was, he was quite a young man, really, you know, when you mm. think about it. And uh, yeah, that was a major sort of turning point in, in my life, certainly in my early life, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm. you know, I, th- I think as well, the, the fact that it kind of stemmed from from your dad loving snooker so much and kind of bringing you into it as well. It's, yeah. You know, it's... It it is it, yeah, it yeah. is unfortunate, but I know you have spoken about your mom and how yeah 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 helpful she was, and you know mammies are just <laughs> yeah they're fantastic yeah she used to like she never she never she never wished me the place there like her main concern was look at as long as you you're home for your dinner you're doing your homework and you're going to school you're not sort of playing truant mm. uh, from school, and once she did once I did that. Uh, then I can play snooker as much as I liked, you know. Yeah. I used to love going in. I'd be about 14, 15. I'd get the bus into uh, into the city on the number 11 bus into the city. And I'd bring the queue with me. It'd be in my big box uh, queue case. And I used to get 20 quid every week from Jason. So they used to give me a little brown envelope, you know, like a little right. wage packet, you know. Yeah. And what I it's used to do is... It's I'd a lot of money back play. then, by the way. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a lot of money. And I used to go into, into um, I'd go into the pier on Bachelor's Walk. I'd go into the home of billiards on Bachelor's Walk. And I'd finish up in the Cosmo on O'Connell Street. And I'd be playing with the 20 quid in my pocket. And I'd be trying to build it up. And uh, sometimes on a Monday night or a Wednesday night, uh, when that's when the crowd used to be in around town playing for money, you know. Mm. And uh, I'd come home and I'd, I might have won about 100 150 quid or something like that. Now I was still I was still in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mother, she, my mother would be in bed, you know, and I used to come in and I'd creep in the door and she'd be lying down on the pillow, the head on the pillow, and I'd I'd take out the money and I'd rattle it next to her like this, you know, like roll, and she'd wake up, like, you know, and uh, a big smile on her face, and she'd get her cut. And uh, she she used to call me the golden goose at the time, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all right when I was winning money and taking the yeah. money home. She she used to love that part of the snooker, you know. But yeah. she could never watch me. She could never watch me play snooker at all. She no. She uh, because she suffered from high blood pressure, you know. And she got used to get too okay. nervous, and her blood yeah. pressure go through the roof. So she never actually uh, she never actually saw me. She tried to come out and watch me play when I was professional. I was playing in the final of the Irish Masters out in Goffs, and I was playing Ronnie O'Sullivan. 
And she thought, oh, well, you're in the final, so it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, I'll go out and I'll watch, you yeah. know. And she came out, and after the first frame of the evening session, uh, she went, she came out of, out of the building, she was out in the car park with her rosary beads uh, and <laughs> saying her prayers and chatting with the, uh, the car park attendants. She wouldn't, and the whole place was like heaving, you know. It was about 2,000 people there cheering me on, but she couldn't watch a bit of it. You know, I eventually lost to O'Sullivan, so she didn't, uh, She was sort of a, but she couldn't handle it, you know? It's uh, mm. it's mad mm. to talk about as well, all yeah. of the different kind of spots where people would play snooker and pool. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. a huge thing in Dublin. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, listen, I was born in 91, so it was kind of around around that time, early 90s, all the way kind of through the 80s. It was such a yeah, yeah. massive yeah, social thing in Dublin, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was massive. I mean, we had about, I don't know, we had about 20 leagues, I think, 20 leagues, yeah. uh, uh, snooker leagues, like with so many different clubs yeah. and social social clubs, golf clubs, not even, no, not golf clubs, but just social clubs, you know, like workmen's clubs and stuff like mm. that, Catholic clubs where they'd have snooker tables, but they'd still have a team in the league and they'd play Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. But right through the 80s uh, and, and, and through the 90s as well, it was so popular with so many snooker clubs in Dublin. And now, uh, uh, of course, when the boom came in the property market, that's when all the clubs, most of them disappeared because yeah. the rents the rents and the space became so expensive and it was very difficult to keep a uh, to keep a snooker club because the snooker, snooker tables take up a lot of space, you know? Yeah, that's funny as well. Like from a social standpoint, I remember... Um, I remember speaking to Dennis Irwin a few years ago and he was telling me about when the Irish team would come over, you know, yeah. for the games in the, in the 90s. And he, like, I suppose the, the ter- they, they'd be out in the piss, obviously, as, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, as yeah, they yeah. were. And they, you know, they'd be end up in Tomangos where, where, where the yeah, guy yeah, goes. Yeah, 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 but yeah, he, yeah, said, yeah. he said their, their kind of pre-drinking ritual would be they'd go to Swords and they'd play they play snooker. 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 Snooker, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah and yeah, that, yeah. that would be their first kind of stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know it was so popular. I mean, and it's a great pastime. I mean, a lot of the footballers would play because they have so much time on their hands, you know. So if they didn't play another sport or do something to pass the time, but snooker was a big pastime, or golf, of course, as well, you know. Yeah. But snooker was a big time, a big pastime time because they could have a few points and they could have a they could have a few frames as well, you know, after their after their training sessions. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm. Anyway, we, we, we get to 1990 and you turn pro. Were you 20, mm. 20 you turn I was uh, yeah, I was 20, I was 21. I won the World Amateur Championships uh, out in Singapore in 1989. I won uh, I won the World Juniors in June that year in 1989. Mm. The funny funny thing about the World Junior Championships, I was in I'd moved to London uh, to play. I, I left school, did my leaving. So I left in 1988, went over to England and was trying to sort of play against the, some of the best in the UK because they were the best players in the world. And they had pro-arms yeah. every weekend. I had 500 quid in my pocket. I went over on the boat, like, you know, I had digs to go to. Mm. And um, in June 1989, I still wasn't pro, but I was still playing on the amateur, trying to get into the top 10 amateurs to to turn professional mm. and uh, I'm at a holiday camp playing in this tournament and a fella called Corley Mick from London who was a big time gambler you know <laughs> and uh, he said to me he says are you going to the World Junior Championships uh, next month it's uh, it's in uh, Iceland I says no I said I didn't even know about it I haven't heard about it 
I said, to be honest, I couldn't even afford to go because I, I wouldn't be able to go. I don't have enough money, like, you know. He says, well, he said, if I paid for you, would you go over? And I says, yeah, well, what do you want? Uh, he says, I don't want that. And I said, I'll pay you in. I said, I'll pay your airfare and your hotel and your, your, your bed and breakfast or whatever. I says, okay, yeah, it sounds good to me, you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, he paid for me flight. He paid for me hotel. Over to Reykjavik. I was there for a week. Uh, I ended up winning the tournament, right? I got three. <laughs> I got £3,000. I wouldn't have even been there only for this Corley Mick, you know. And I'd only met him once, and this was at this holiday camp, you know. And uh, didn't want anything, didn't want any of the prize money. I got my name on the on the trophy as world junior champion. Yeah. He, a- he asked me, could he take the, the trophy, not the perpetual trophy, but the trophy that I get to keep, could I could he take that back to London and get a few photographs with his mate and give it back to me? And I says, yeah, no, take it away. I never saw him again. Never. That was the last time I saw him. He disappeared. He took the trophy. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't care. I had my name on the cup, and I had three thousand quid in my pocket. Brand. And I w- yeah. and I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been world junior champion only for good old Corley Mick from London. <laughs> <laughs> and I still haven't seen him to this day. Have- and that was in June, and that was in June nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Well, well, listen, Curly Mick, if, you, if, if, you're, if you're watching, <laughs> if you're watching <laughs> where's my trophy? Yeah, get, get the trophy over to Ken. <laughs> um, the first major championship came in 1993 at the Welsh Open. And that yeah. kind of took you into the, the top kind of 16, 16, yeah. Top 16 yeah, that's in the right. world. Yeah. Um, and that was, the, that was the first where you won the Welsh <clears throat> Open a couple of years later. So that mm. was kind of, I suppose that was coming into you know, the reality business time, you know, I'm, I'm up right there with, with these guys now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was that like for you? Uh, oh, it was fantastic. I mean, it, it took, it took three years to sort of really sort of establish myself on the professional circuit. It was a big change, you know? I mean, you know, we thought initially, you know, you're world amateur champ, world junior champ, you're coming in with a big reputation. You should be blowing a lot of these professionals away, but they were so good, different conditions, you know, professional yeah. condition. You're sort of playing on TV. You got cameramen and cameras moving around, and you sort of—it's a little bit. It takes a little bit of getting used to. And uh, even in the qualifiers, you know, the down and dirty qualifiers, like where you know, there's sort of a lot of experienced players. You know, when you're coming in, you're young, you're brash, and you think you can put, you know, the balls off the lampshade, but it doesn't happen like that. You know, so yeah. you're so I was sort of brought down to earth very, very had to learn very quickly. But it took yeah. me, yeah, it took me three years to to win my first ranking tournament and uh, to get into the top 16 as well. But to get into the top 16 after three years was, was quite an achievement, you know, yeah, but, absolutely. but it was great. It's great to get your hands on your first tournament because even in this day and age, you see lots of players, they get to a final, they've been to a couple of finals and they haven't got their hands on a trophy. Then all of a sudden the sort of pressure builds like a snowball. So that was my first ranking final. And uh, I think that was my first ranking final. Yeah, I think it was. And that was my first. No, sorry. Jimmy White beat me in the in the Grand Prix in 1992 in the final mm. in 1999. And uh, hit, that was my first ranking final. But the second one I won, and that was against Alan, Alan McManus, 9-7 down in, um, down in Newport in Wales. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Mm. I have the draw, the original draw, you know, with, with all the names on it and all filled out. Yeah. And it's, uh, I kept that draw. Somebody, actually, John Parrott's manager, Phil Miller, he, he, he's passed away now, but he said to me, he says, whatever you do, he says, get the draw off the tournament director, fill it out, 
and get it framed. He says, and put it, yeah. you know, in your bedroom or your home or whatever. But I have it in my snooker room out in the Radisson uh, from 1993, the Regal Welsh Open. And I have it all filled out and all the names, yeah, in it. Uh, right from O'Sullivan was in it. He would have been only, what, he would have been only 16, 17 years of yeah, age then, maybe, you know. Kids, yeah. yeah, he lost to Neil Foles 5-0 in the first round. Stephen Hendry, of course, was number one seed. Uh, but Alan McManus I ended up beating in the final I beat James Watana in the semi-final and him but I still have that since 1993 yeah just as well just to go back to kind of you know getting to that point in 93 when you when you Mm. won the Welsh Open and kind of coming in as a pro thinking ah this is going to be great you know what I mean I'm Mm. young I'm I'm a yeah 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 yeah. but I'm gonna you know it's just crazy how much of like the psychological aspect of snooker is just huge. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, massively yeah, yeah. psychological in terms of mm. the as mm. you said, you're playing on TV for the first time. So it's a new kind of pressure that you've never yeah. experienced. So I mean, for mm. you to kind of get to the grips of that in the space of three years is very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah it it's sort of I suppose it was a good learning curve. And I suppose it 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 tells you that. You can't take your eye off these, or you can't take these people for granted, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, even the experience, the experienced pros that you, so you don't take anybody for granted, you know, you give them the respect they deserve. And I think it sort of, it sort of grounded me and held me in sort of good stead for going forward, you know, but to, yeah. to get your hands, I'll never forget, like, winning that trophy. I mean, it wasn't a big party or anything like that. It was just myself, my good friend, Pat Caulfield and Bill King, uh, Mark King's dad, the three of us were just in the hotel afterwards and I've got the cup and we're just sitting down having, yeah. you know, having having a drink <clears> and, a, and a sandwich afterwards because it was quite a long day over two sessions and it was quite a tough match against Alan McManus, but it was just so, re- so such a relief to win, you know? Yeah. And mm. listen, we, we get to the bigger party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we get to the... Because there's, so there's so many stories even after you won the World Championship, which mm. I want to get to at Man United I think it's you told yeah, me the yeah. story a few years ago but anyway 1997 um, it ranks up there as in terms of Irish sport and moments mm. I mean it's Katie Taylor Olympics yeah. it's Italia 90 you know it's so many incredible Irish sport and moments mm. and you winning the world championship against Stephen Hendry who's it was good. Stephen was a great pal of yours as well wasn't he, he was, yeah 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 well I mean We'd be pals off the table. On the table, it was yeah, no- of course, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still like that. It's still like that today. <laughs> Even I practiced with him. I was only practicing with him a couple of days ago. You know, we're playing like uh, best of eleven for a tenner, and it's like it's like ten points of blood off him. You know, for a tenner <laughs> off. <laughs> He hasn't changed a bit. Oh, it's like enemies, complete enemies, you know, trying to get a tenner off each other, you know, and I took 20 quid off him. And honestly, he sort of threw it down on the table. He was absolutely disgusted. But uh, I have that, I have that 20 quid still in my pocket until we play the next time. But yeah, he was a great, well, he was one of the greatest players that's ever played. Uh, Himself and O'Sullivan are probably the best two players that's ever played the game. So to play, him in the final. <clears throat> you were the first and to beat him in the final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Final, well, yeah. he was, well, he was unbeaten. In he final. was unbeaten for, in, for five years. Yeah. He hadn't lost and, and, and he was going for six years, six in a row, you know? Yeah. So he was going, he was on match 30 when I played him in the final and he, he hadn't lost in, in 30 matches, you know? 
So uh, it was a huge, it was a huge match for me. But you know, something I, I, I thought this is your chance. You know, mm. I watched the, uh, you know, so many finals down the years how he crushed people, and you know, Jimmy got so close to him over the years. But I thought this was my chance. I dreamt of it. You know, when I was a kid. And I got back to watch him, uh, you know, Alex Higgins, Higgins in 82, yeah. Dennis Taylor, Dennis Taylor in 85. Mm. And I dreamt of winning the world championship from that time onwards, you know. And when I got to the crucible, when I got to the final, uh, I'd go to bed at night and I'd dream about me lifting the cup, just like Higgins did and just like Taylor did and giving it a big kiss. And I could see myself, I could see myself lifting the cup. I don't know what it was. It was you know, like people talk about visualization and stuff like that yeah but that's exactly i didn't mean to do it but i sort of it was just i had this vision that i could see myself lifting the cup and it gave me an unbelievable calmness even though you know i was a little bit nervous starting off but i was confident against like a, a, a sort of an unbeaten champion this one playing yeah. him almost like on his own table in the crucible he hadn't been beaten there for like six years and uh it gave me a great calmness because I could see myself lifting that cup at the end of it. I knew yeah. I was going to lift it, you know. And uh, I wish, I wish, I, I wish I had felt that a lot more times in my career afterwards. But <laughs> for some strange, for yeah. some strange reason, it just happened like that. And I got off to a wonderful start in the uh, in the beginning of that championship. It's over four sessions, you know. Yeah. Best of 35, first to eighteen. So you play it over four sessions. Um, Four eight, uh, three eights, and a best of it, and eleven at the mm. is the final session, you know. Uh, but I got off to a, such a great start, and I was playing, I was purposely playing with a smile on my face, and and sort of interacting a little bit with the crowd just to help me sort of uh, relax and show him that I wasn't afraid of him. You know what yeah. I mean? That I wasn't going to be like a rabbit in the headlights, even though it was my first final. I just wanted to show a sort of a bit of bravado. And yeah. uh, it certainly helped me settle into that match very early, you know. Yeah, it's in- incredible. Just a, mm. a great moment. Like, I mean, a great moment back home as well. I'd imagine. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, the, it was the way the whole match unfolded. I mean, he made three centuries in the first eight frames, but I was still five three up. You know. Yeah. The second session in the evening time, quite a funny thing happened. Actually, we were playing one frame. I think I'm six four up, and it's a respot of black. I think it was six four or seven six four up, yeah. Mm. And uh, uh, we go to a respot, and he puts the the black on a side cushion. Mm. And I've doubled, I doubled the black into the corner pocket. Normally, when you play doubles, you play them into the middle pockets because yeah. you're playing them. It's a lot easier into a middle pocket. But I doubled it into a corner pocket, and uh, it gave me the lead of going seven four up. We went out to the toilet, and he. He followed me out like to take a break, you know, because it was quite a protracted frame. Mm. And I'm standing there in the toilet in the in the in the at the urinals, you know. Yeah. And he looked at me, you know, after the double, because it was an incredible double into a corner pocket. And he looked at me, you know, and he says, I knew you were gonna fucking double that <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> and I burst out loud and I says, Well, I had to go for it. It was on, like, you know. <laughs> and I, I came back, I came back and I won um I won the next round to go A4 and I finished that session 11-5. Uh, so I'd won 6-2 with the sex yeah. se- next session, you know. The third session, I was 4-2 up. We finished 4-4, which meant I had a lead of like 15-9 uh, going into the final session. 
uh, I only needed three. I was 15, seven up. Yeah. I needed three to be champion. And he came back to 15, 12. He won the first three frames of the night. Yeah. And that's when that's when the nerves really kicked in because yeah. I was sitting in my chair. I'm 15, seven. I went to 15, 12. He'd won five in a row. And I'm thinking, oh, please, not now. Don't do this to me now. You know, yeah. this comeback, like, you know what I mean? This is hold. my chance. I just, yeah, yeah, hold, yeah. Hold. I, I won a really, I won a really close game, 16-12, went through the break, uh, and that sort of broke broke his momentum and gave me the impetus to go on. I went against 17-12, and then the last, I mean, part in the last few colours, <laughs> I've got my all my friends up on the balcony, you know? Yeah. Noel Quinn, Noel Quinn came over. Uh, Dunphy was there. He came over for the tournament. <laughs> and uh, Louis Copeland and everything, and a few. I was, I was obviously my few friends from my own personal best friends came over, and uh, I looked up to them, and uh, stuck my tongue out, gave a big smile, and it was. I tell you, the the, the happiness and the relief. It's like ah. all. It's like all your dreams. And your birthday is coming together in one moment. Yeah. Like it's it's quite it's quite surreal, you know. I I I had the the honor of actually performing at the twenty first anniversary. Of, mm. your, of your world championship win in the in the Radisson, yeah, yeah, it was a brilliant night. Barry Murphy was, was the, MC, was yeah, MC. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I remember as well. I, I I've only known him a couple of years, but the late Willie Thorne was there as well. He was absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. ah gent to the highest order. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. It was yeah. a great night. I, I we had Dunphy there as well, and we had Steve Davis and yeah, yeah. Um, and Hendry. So it was yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a great night. No, it was fantastic. It was great. Well, it's actually. You know, it was a great honor to have them all over, you know, like Virgo yeah. Taylor, you know, as you said, Taylor, yeah. Willie, Willie Thorne, uh, Davis Hendry, uh, Parra couldn't make it. He was doing something. But yeah, to have those guys over there was, it just made it very, very special, you know, because yeah. they're great guys, you know, guys that I grew up with, I work with now, like in the yeah. BBC, but I grew up playing uh, and it was just great to have them over. Because they wouldn't come over for nothing, like you know what I mean. But it was, it was very. It's just that we all have a, we have a special friendship, and I was just delighted yeah. to have them there to make the night very, very special. You know, yeah. for people like that, I hadn't met them up close or personal. I only see them on the TV. Yeah, and uh, it really made it made it a great celebration. Yeah, 20, 21 years. Yeah, absolutely. And that mm. room you talk about as well. That's your, mm. that's that's your practice room as well. But that is some room. Yeah. It's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's class. Well, I've, I've, I've been lucky. The Radisson is owned by the Cosgrave family who, who owned Jason's, you know, back in yeah. the day. Okay. So, yeah. and that, so that's the relationship that we've had. I mean, that's, that's uh, cool. All their, all their, their fathers now passed on, but the sons that I would have grown up with who were around the same age as me, mm. uh, they're all in charge now. So they said, look at when Jason's closed down that uh, there was a snooker room out in the Radisson so you can put your table there and then bring your photographs and all that. And that's yeah. how it all came about. So I'm delighted to still still be there, of course. Yeah, you know? it's, it's brilliant. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Listen, a year later, I mean, you almost yeah, yeah, break yeah. That, that crucible curse. Yeah. That, mm. you know, you were so, so close. Um, yeah. I, I just, that, well, come, that curse come, is unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no one has ever, nobody has ever done it. I lost to Higgins the following year. I had such a good year with it, you know, with the cup, though, I must say that I didn't want to give it back, you know. I mean, I'd been everywhere. Yeah. I was invited out, invited out to Crow Park for um, the Leinster final, Dublin against me. I was invited out to Lansdowne Road when, when Ireland were playing Liechtenstein in the World Cup qualifier. Mm. Um, 
when Jack Charlton was in charge, uh, I was invited out to, was that Jack Charlton or was he still there in 97 or was it Mick McCarthy? Might have been Mick. Uh, yeah, 94. No, it might have been Mick McCarthy. He's just gone, I think, Charlton, wasn't he? He went yeah. in the 90s, after 96, didn't he? It wasn't against Holland. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was at Clivert. that match in, in Ireland. Yeah. yeah, I was at that match in Anfield. Yeah. But I, I brought the cup out to the middle of the park in um, the Ireland uh, qualifier in Lansdowne Road, which was just incredible. And then um, I got a phone call. And this, this is a true story. Yeah, guys, this is a true story. Yeah, this is yeah, a brilliant yeah. story. I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got a phone call and I didn't recognize the number. And... Um, I'm not very good at voices now, you know what I mean? But <laughs> 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 this voice came on the phone. Kenny, uh, Alex, uh, I know you're a big Man United fan. Would you like to parade a trophy around Old Trafford, you know? And I said, Who's the-? I said, Mick, I said, stop winding me up, Mick, will you? <laughs> he says, Kenny, it's Alex Ferguson here and I'm not going to ask you twice. I said, oh, Alex, sorry, I thought it was my mate winding me up. He invited me out to Old Trafford. He got, his, he got my number off Dennis Taylor. And uh, he brought me to Old Trafford. It was the last match of the season. They're playing West Ham. They're picking up the Premiership trophy. Yeah. He took took me up into his office, into the director's lounge. The, the Premiership trophy is there. I put my trophy down, the, the World Championship trophy beside it. Ah, oh, class. Uh, Bobby Charlton comes in, Martin Edwards and myself. And I, and I got the picture there. Then he takes me into the director's lounge and... and uh, Georgie Best was there, Dennis Law was there, Lou McCary, Stuart Pearson, uh, Gordon, Gordon Hill. There was uh, some some greats in there. You know what? Because it was the last match of the season, yeah, Norman, White, the Norman, Norman White side is there. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he takes me downstairs to meet the team. And the team, we go into the lunch, uh, lunch and it was about one o'clock, so it was a couple of hours before kickoff. And you, you go into the canteen as the first team on the first table and the second team on the second table. So I walk in and he stands at the door and I have the trophy in my hand and he goes, gentlemen, Kenny Doherty here, big Man United fan, come to parade the trophy. We won the World Championships last week, you know? And everybody's like, just look around like that. They're tucking into that pasta, yeah. you know? And they look around, you know? And nobody says a word, like, you know? And I'm standing here with the trophy and it started to shake a little bit in my yeah. hand. The beads of sweat are coming down. I said, what do I do? do I? And I'm looking at Roy Keane or Dennis Irwin. I think they might make the move for Yeah, lads, come on. Never, <laughs> yeah, yeah, never never budged a muscle, like, you know, until the big fella uh, pushed a chair back, walked over <laughs> to me, you know, and he's standing. He's standing. I'm looking up at him like this, you know, and he goes, congratulations, Mr. Doherty, and welcome to Old Trafford, you know. And uh, I looked at him like that and had a lump in my throat, you know, and I said, the only thing I could say was, thank you, Mr. Cantona. <laughs> That's all I could say. I couldn't think, I couldn't think of anything inspirational to say that you're, you know, you were my hero or just love the way you play and all that. Thank, thank you, Mr. Cantona. <laughs> I felt like a little schoolboy. <laughs> but nothing beats Cantona stories. Oh, They're just... No, no, no. Unbelievable. Mm. I mean, the story of you know, yeah, in, in, in the, the after the game, the the palace game, mm. the FA Cup. I mean, you've have you heard that story? Yeah, of the Lee Sharp one, is it? The Lee Sharp one, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've heard it from Lee Sharp. I think Lee, Lee yeah. Sharp Lee Sharp has become so skilled 
at kind of tell him, tell telling him it, tell it like he's like he's a playwright, you know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. a one man play, but I've heard it from from David May as well. But I mean, I, if if anyone hasn't heard the story, it's you know Cantona has yeah, yeah. Just, been sent off he's attacked the fan and I think he, it was the second half it, it happened but um, mm. Ferguson is you know livid after the game of course because they conceded a, a last minute goal and he's yeah. there screaming at, at he's, he's coming in all, actually before he comes in all the players are clasping their hands together so yeah, like, yeah 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 <laughs> Eric's gonna get us because yeah, <laughs> he was the golden he was the golden child wasn't he you know what I mean the golden sort of thing yeah 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 he can't like he's he's got away with so much like this this is the last straw like he has to get a bollocking for this yeah 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 Ferguson yeah. comes in and he starts screaming at Schmeichel, six foot, six foot four you're not worth a string up your shite you're a string up this and <laughs> Oh, Andy Cole, you can't finish. Uh, David May, yeah, he, said, yeah, he, said, he said. He said, "Who was Mar- who was meant to be marking Richard Shaw?" And David May goes, "And oh, it was Eric who was meant to be doing it." And he goes, and he turns around to Eric Canton. I was sitting there in his suit. So I think he's already in his suit. And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." yeah and he's there after screaming to everyone. He goes, "Hello, Eric." He can't be doing that now, son. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that yeah, was yeah. it. That was yeah. it. But th- I think it was the. The match, obviously, people don't admit myself and Ken are huge Man United fans, mm. and that was the. I was at that match. I was at the match. Were you at that game? Right? I was at the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to go. It? I used to. I used to go to all the games. You know, like I, I, I befriended a ticket tout. You know, I was outside. Yeah. I was outside uh, White Hart Lane once trying to get into Man United uh, Tottenham Hotspur, and this ticket tout came up to me. He says, "You looking for a ticket?" He says, "Yeah, yeah, I need a two something, mate." You know. He says, you're a big Man United fan, aren't you? He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, how am I? You know, he says, uh, all right. He says, 50 quid, there you go. He said, I'll come in with you if you don't mind. He says, two tickets together, you know. I says, yeah, yeah, come on, join us, no problem. <laughs> and his name was John Barry. And uh, from that day on, we were we became great friends, you know. Brilliant. He, so anytime United came to London or they were playing sometimes at all midweek games, Champions League. Yeah. Like I'd meet him in London somewhere because I was living in Essex, so I'd get the train into London. Mm. So I'd be either Highbury, uh, going to Upton Park to watch West Ham, or going to Palace, or sometimes down to watch them play Wimbledon as well. Mm. So I used to go to all those games, and that was the game. So I'd be we, we were friends for years, and I go to the Champions League. I went to the Champions League uh, with his brother uh, to the '99 game in Barcelona. Yeah, 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 in Barcelona. Uh, Unfortunately, he died. He died of cancer when he was oh. in his... Uh, yeah, he wasn't even 40 years of age when he died. Oh, no, that's yeah, tragic. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. tragic. Uh, John Barry, his name was. and uh, But his brother, Danny Barry, who I'm still mates with, yeah. I went to the Champions League final with him, you know. But but I used to go to all those games. But I was actually on the other side of the ground when Eric uh, Kung Fu, oh, the uh, supporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I didn't have time to tell Eric that all, a few years later, you know, in 1997. <laughs> That's what I should have said to him. We're, I, we're, I was at that match, Eric, where you kicked that fan, you know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in a WhatsApp, a Man United WhatsApp group, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, the yeah, name brilliant. of the WhatsApp group is the King of Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fantastic, yeah. Um, mm. Anyway, I know, I know you have a massive love for Man United like myself. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what, what? But I think take? that day, that day, I just got back to that day. <laughs> Alex Ferguson, 
looked after me honestly like I was one of his own. Ah, he couldn't do good. enough for me. He was absolutely, he was so good to me and I was mm. so grateful for the chance just to go to Old Trafford, you know, to, to see it behind the scenes and to be invited out onto the pitch with the cup yeah. and all. And the announcer, who's still the announcer today, you know. Alan Keegan. Please Keegan's welcome. It? Yeah, yeah. Please yeah. welcome onto the, the, the pitches. A big Man United fan. He won the World Championship and all the crowd were still uh, there. <laughs> they all gave me a big standard ovation. Ah, crap. And it was just, I walked out into the middle of the pitch. <clears throat> My legs were like jelly, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> But the but the thrill and the buzz of it was just incredible, absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah, amazing, nice nah, nice. quality, man. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. But I just want to get your your current because I know you're a huge United fan. And what's your current thoughts on on Ole and, and and the squad? I've I've been very foolish in the past. I've I mean after the Champions League exit, I got very reactionary on Twitter, and I, I yeah yeah I yeah think we could go as far. I thought we 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 went as far as we could with Ole. But I think mm. I had to I had to retract that and because I, I I'm happy yeah. to be proven wrong, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a yeah, lot of absolutely. fans, there's a lot of fans that want to be proven right. They want they want yeah, yeah, Ole yeah. to fail. It's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. What I'm seeing on social media. What's your yeah, thoughts yeah. on the squad? I I like I like Ali. I've always liked him. Uh, yeah. He's a young manager. I know he's fine in his trade. Uh, I think. I don't think he has the right personnel there, you know, uh, as regards the full squad that he would probably like. Mm. He's still missing a few players. But I think he's, uh, you know, it's a big transition time we're going through, you know what I mean? And yeah. I know we've been so used to so much success during the Alex Ferguson that it seems it's just not just the same right that we're not winning or we're not even sort of competing with the likes mm. of City and even Liverpool over the last few years and that's the disappointing thing because they've spent lots of money but just haven't spent it in the right places and, yeah. and spent it on the right personnel uh, a lot of the players that have come in have been quite disappointing uh, some have been good but mm. you know the <clears> best one obviously is Bruno Fernandes I mean he's like a, a new Eric Cantona he's been yeah. absolutely sensational uh, I think that you know the squad from the youths of Rashford and Greenwood have been really great, you know, mm. great additions to the side. Uh, but I'd still think he could deal with probably another three players, maybe, you know, yeah. to really three or four players in different positions. I think a centre back. Uh, he needs a centre forward, needs a centre forward, needs yeah. a centre back. Could do with sort of uh, another right back and an outside right, you know what I mean? I think mm. if he got Sancho, someone like Haaland or someone of that ilk, even a Harry Kane. You know, but he needs a really good centre forward who's going to guarantee him, you know, 20, 25 goals a season, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's not going to get that with Cavani. And he's probably not going to get that with Rashford playing that, you know, Rashford is better off coming from the left. He is. Maybe Greenwood from the right, you know, and a really a top class centre forward. You want someone like a Cavani of maybe 10 years younger, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's who you want. That's who you want. Yeah. Or an Abramovich. Uh, yeah. or Ibrahimovic Ibrahimovic who was like 10 years younger you want yeah. someone like that powerful like an old Van Nisseroy. that's who we need someone like that you know yeah it's definitely the missing piece of the puzzle I do think um, I'm 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 one of Harry Maguire's biggest um, defenders I, I yeah yeah I, I'm sick of the criticism that he gets I think he's been <clears throat> I think it's because he has such a high price tag yeah people give him um, such flack on, on social media and it's just not 
it's it's not yeah. on. I I like him. I like him. I think he yeah. he likes to he likes to play the ball out of out of the fence. You know, um, I think if he had someone there who he can trust all the time, it would make him a better player as well. Yeah, I think he's just uh, he just doesn't have the you know the the trust of a really good partner. You know, yeah. and uh, I think I'd like to see him with someone. Someone like a, a Varane or someone of that sort of mould in yeah. the centre of defence, a big towering sort of central defender along with a powerful yeah. in the air, and, experienced, you know, yeah, experienced as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, t- I don't think, I mean, Lindelof and, and even Boy, I like Boy, but mm. he's just it's in terms of his, you know, his fitness, distribution and stuff, and his fitness, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, well, look at look at if we get <clears> if we get Haaland or someone. Like that, a couple of players in the summer. Then I think, but it's—I think he needs to deliver. I think he needs, you know, there's times where he's been very frustrating. You know, like frustrating by conceding goals yeah. very late. You know, dropping a lot of silly points against Sheffield United, West Brom, Everton. The points against Everton. You know, things like that, and even that draw last week against Milan, like where yeah. it puts them under a bit of pressure tonight. You know, they're silly things. They shouldn't be happening. You know. Yeah. Uh, so we need to eradicate those and a couple more experienced players um, you know uh, we need and, and hopefully then we'll, we can try and challenge uh, Man City because it's it's becoming like a one you know like they're so far ahead now Man City that you know there's no sort of interest the interest is only whether we can hold on for a Champions League place mm. but then we know how to beat them <laughs> yeah yeah that's it's right yeah just, we can but that's it we, we can go can out and beat them. them yeah we can go out and beat them and then like lose to Sheffield United at home or lose to Crystal Palace yeah. at home, you know? It's That's consistency. Self-frustrating, yeah. Yeah, it is. Self-frustrating, frustrating, yeah. Um, well, look, I honestly can. One of the one of the nicest guys I know, mm. just an absolute <laughs> gent, and I really appreciate you you coming on. I did. Yeah. Just don't, we, we, don't blame me. Don't blame me at snooker for money. That's all. You know? <laughs> Never. <laughs> you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say I'd be so nice then. You know what I mean? You see a different side to me. <laughs> um, Ken, enjoy the match tonight. Yeah, you too, pal. And listen, mm. absolute gent, and I'll see. I'll see you soon when this yeah. is all over. When we're back to normality. Two of us will yeah. have a point together and absolutely yeah. Look yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Okay, mate. Okay. Gen- Thanks for having me on, Al. See yeah, you, Ken. Okay. Build your own unique bets and get the odds instantly with Betfred's Pick Your Punt Builder. Corners, cards, goal scorer, and more. They've got them all. Download the Betfred app to build your own unique bets with instant odds. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Singles only. Pick Your Punt Builder is available on selected matches at Betfred's discretion. Visit betfred.com slash promotions for more information and for full terms and conditions.